Greetings in the name of Jesus again this evening. Trust that you had a good day. I enjoyed my day. And God is good. May our hearts be open to what God has for us tonight. Title of the message tonight is The Reality of the Afterlife. The Reality of the Afterlife. Do we need to read books or readings of people that spent 10 minutes in hell to be convinced there is a hell? Or it could be the other way too, 10 minutes in heaven to be convinced that there is a heaven. There's writings out there and that's fine. Um, we have enough in here, I think, to be convinced of the same. And, and so tonight I want us to look from Scripture and be convinced from Scripture of the reality of the afterlife. So we, I have two things, two main points. The first main point is the horrors of hell. And the second main point is the glory of heaven. Because we're going to spend the rest of eternity in one place or the other. So let's look at the horrors of hell first. <clears throat> Matthew 25 verse 41 says, and this is in the context of the sheep, the separation of the sheep and the goats. And he tells the goats, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And so hell was originally designed for the devil and his And the other evening we looked at why Lucifer and one-third, I didn't say it necessarily then, but there was one-third of the angelic beings that left him. And hell, the lake of fire, is designed. I don't think in our finite minds we can comprehend the wrath of going for. And, obviously, in that story that Jesus was sharing, between the separation of the sheep and the goats, there are going to be human beings that will be dwelling in hell with the devil and his angels. And, my friends, it's not going to be a fun place. I've heard it's not going to be a ball. Hell in the English language. The first one that I want us to think of. And in Jesus' day, the Hades, the lower compartment, which was the place of torment, if you go to Luke 16, where we have the story of the rich men and Lazarus, the rich man found himself, the scripture says, in hell, in torment in hell. But that word is the Hades, the place of departed place. He was wishing for Abraham to give him at least one drop of In the place of that torment, in the lower place, he saw the Lazarus of Abraham being comforted. And so part of the torment, I believe, is held in bondage in hell and seeing and realizing could have be experiencing. 
And I and as I reviewed this message again, went across my notes. There's a couple different places that that kind of came out. Is is the people that are dwelling in hell? It places in torment or in the lake of fire will be able to see the the comfort, the bliss, the glory, the peace, the whatever heaven, and they're missing out. And they'll have to remember that while they had the opportunity, they squandered it. That's going to be part of their torment. The second word, the Greek word that we find in the New Testament that was translated as hell, comes from the Greek word Gehenna, which is kind of an equivalent, similar word to Hinnom in the Hebrew language. And it has a significant meaning. And I'm just going to jump down in my notes a little bit just to, just for your information. When Jesus, when Jesus used this word Gehenna, and by the way, this word Gehenna was used primarily by Jesus only. James, in, in the book of James, James chapter 3, verse 6, where he's talking about the tongue being unsettled on fire of hell, is the same word Gehenna. But James was the only New Testament writer that used this word Gehenna, and he used it once. The rest of the, rest of the usages was used by Jesus himself. And when Jesus used this word Gehenna, his audience knew exactly what he was talking about. And I'd like to, I'd like to explain to you what he was talking about because in our language, in our day and age, we, we don't comprehend what Jesus said. And I'd like to, I'd like to take you on a little educational course on this word of Gehenna. I'll read from you out of Albert Barnes' commentary on this issue of hellfire. And then I want to, I want to illustrate a few, or kind of, yeah, make an illustration here on the board. The original of this is the Gehenna of fire. The word Gehenna, commonly translated hell, is made up of two Hebrew words and signifies the valley of Hinnom. Now I'm going to stop here just a little bit. Does anybody remember what happened in the valley of Hinnom? Does, is is that ringing a bell? Oh boy, we are going for an educational course here. <clears throat> because the Valley of Hinnom was something that was was uh, in the Old Testament, and some. Well, let me con- continue to read here before I jump ahead of myself. This was formerly a pleasant valley near to Jerusalem on the south. And I'll, I'll put a diagram here on the board. A small brook or torrent usually ran through it and partly encompassed the city. This valley, the idolatrous Israelites devoted formerly to the horrid worship of Molech. And we could go to 2 Kings 16 and 2 Chronicles 28 and we can read some things. Well, by the way, I have it here in my notes. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem and he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord as his father David had done. And he walked in the ways of the king of Israel, made molded images for the Baals. He burned incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom. 
Is it starting to ring bells now just a little? He burned incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burned his children in the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And so this, this valley of the son of Hinnom was a place where they, they practiced child sacrifices. And then he goes on to explain kind of what this took place or what it was, what the experience might have been like. In that worship, the ancient Jewish writers inform us the idol of Moloch was of brass adorned with a royal crown, having the head of a calf and his arms extended as if to embrace anyone. When they offered children to him, they heated the statue within by a great fire. And when it was burning hot, they put the miserable child into the arms where it was soon consumed by the heat. And in order that the cries of the child might not be heard, they made a great noise with drums and other instruments about the idols. I'm going to stop here. Contemporary music and rock music is probably not originally in the 20th century, okay? They had rock music then to drown out reality and to drown out the cries of these innocent children as they laid them in the arms of Molech. These drums were called Toph, and hence a common name of the place was Tophet. In Jeremiah 7, 31 and 32, and they built the high places of Tophet, which is in the valley of son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, nor did it come into my heart. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when it will be no more called Tophet or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. For they will bury in Tophet until there is no room. Is any of this ringing bells to the term Gehenna that Jesus used, or hell. Does this sound a little bit like hell? Okay, and this is back in the Old Testament already. After the return of the Jews from captivity, this place was held in such abhorrence that by example of Josiah in 2 Kings 23.10, it was made the place where to throw all the dead carcasses and filth of the city and was not unfrequently the place of public executions. It became, therefore, extremely offensive. The sight was terrific. The air was polluted and pestilential. I think the plesh, whatever, it's a big word that maybe has the idea of of stench, I think. And to preserve it in any manner pure, it was necessary to keep fires continually burning there. The extreme loathsomeness of the place, the filth and putrefaction, the corruption of the atmosphere, and the lurid fires blazing by day and night made it one of the most appalling and terrific objects with which a Jew was acquainted. It was called the Gehenna of Fire and was the image which our Savior often employed to denote the future punishment of the wicked. Another dictionary says this, in the time of Jesus, the valley of Hinnom, or in the Greek was Gehenna, was used as the garbage dump of Jerusalem. Into it were thrown all the filth and garbage of the city, including the dead bodies of animals and executed criminals. To consume all this, fires burned constantly. Maggots worked in the filth. 
When the wind blew from that direction over the city, its awfulness was quite evident. At night, wild dogs howled as they fought over the garbage. Gehenna, hell. And I'm not going to go through all all the scripture references that we have that relates to hell, but just a few terms that were running through my mind as I was reading this was um, gnashing of teeth, the dogs fighting over the the junk that's coming across the 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 down into this valley, um, just different things. All right, let me draw a map on the on the board here. Oh, here they are. Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, was. A city loba like this, the temple maybe it was over here on this side. This is to the to the east, I guess. No, to the west. Uh, Herod's palace was over here, and the Valley of Hinnom kind of ran down through here. And and on this side of Jerusalem, which kind of joined in here, was the Kidron. Valley. On this side over here was where we have the Garden of Gethsemane, which was on the other side of Kidron. Kidron. This, this, these, these valleys. It's a little hard to draw a 3D. I'm not quite that artistic. Okay, so you're gonna have to use your imagination here just a little. But the Jerusalem was up on a was up on a um, platform. It was raised. It was elevated, and so it made it a very, a very Military strategically built a place, I guess, because on both sides down here, the 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 chasm or the the wall, the natural wall from the valley was fairly steep, and the only way to get to Jerusalem was from from the north up in here, which if you go if you go back to Abraham's day. Abraham there on Mount Moriah, which was in the vicinity of right up in here. Uh, Jesus was crucified on Golgotha, on the hill of Golgotha, which was probably about right in here in this in this vicinity. Um, and obviously, this this the precipice of of uh, the steep valley kind of kept kept going out over there. So the westerly winds, which are normally what blows, is from this direction. And so when they throw their garbage, their junk, their whatever, over into, in quotes, hell, and it would burn, guess where, this, where, guess where all that smoke went? Right over the city. How many of you have ever smelled... Um, Live animals that were burning, you know, hair, the carcass, and that kind of thing, whatever. Did you, you ever smell that? What did it smell like? Anybody want to tell me? It smelled rotten. It smelled rotten. How many of you have singed your hair like you were lighting a campfire or whatever? You, you singed your hair. What did it smell like? It stinks. It has a, it has a, I don't know if rotten is really the word. It, it, it just, it, I don't know. I can't describe it. 
That's that's Gehenna. And when Jesus when Jesus used the word Gehenna, his disciples, his audience knew exactly what he was talking about. There wasn't a shadow of a doubt in their minds of the condition. Jesus used this awful scene as a symbol of hell. In effect, he said, do you want to, do you want to know what hell is like? You just go out and look at Gehenna and you'll get a pretty good picture of, of hell. So hell may be described as God's cosmic garbage dump. All that is unfit for heaven will be thrown into hell. And by the way, I'm not sure if this Bible dictionary said this or not, but they would, they would, people that were not even worthy of execution. I mean, execution was, at least on the cross, was one of the worst forms of, of execution. But the people that weren't even worthy of execution, there were, there were worse criminals than what execution, they would just take them and pitch them into hell alive. And, don't know if I read this. I thought I had it in my notes, but I, I don't recall that I read it. But someone had made the, it was somewhere else in my notes, and I read it and didn't get it transferred. Had made the, had painted the picture that they, they had, they had toured the Valley of Hinnom and they painted, they painted a kind of a, a picture of what the Valley of Hinnom and it was like a, most of it was like between everywhere, anywhere between 25 to 50 foot, basically straight, straight down drop off. And there was rocks, jugged ragged rocks and stuff kind of on down the on down it um they would light fires and maybe said it here they would light fires at the bottom that whatever happened to get to the bottom if it got there it would they, they would burn that stuff to to keep the the junk cleaned up hell it was kind of like any they they yeah they kept it burning all the time a few verses that Jesus uses this term Gehenna in Matthew 5.22. Maybe you want to look at these. Matthew 5.22 in the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about anger. And he says this. And it's, yeah, it's in relation to murder. Murder begins in the heart. We talked about the other evening that what's in the heart will come out in actions. And if you have enough anger in your heart about someone, um, and if you get angry enough, it, it's not against anybody's imagination that taking them out is the next step. And that's basically what Jesus is saying. Verse 21, ye have heard that it was said unto them of old time, thou shalt not kill, and whoever shall kill shall be in danger of judgment. But I say unto you that whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of Gehenna fire. That's the word Gehenna. Person that calls is angry at someone enough to call them a blockhead or stupid is worthy of being pitched into hellfire. 
utter uselessness for that person. In verse 29, he uses it again. Well, let's jump up. Let's get the context. Verse 27. Ye have heard that it was said to them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already in his heart. And if thy right hand offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that the whole body should be cast into Gehenna. Jesus says that we... We need to get serious about this thing of living a pure life. And if I have my eye, if I if it keeps making me fall into sin, it's time I pluck my eye out and get rid of it instead of sending my whole body into Gehenna. Chapter 10, verse 28. There again, let's jump up to verse 27 to get the context. When I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. And what ye hear in the ear, ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Remember what there's, that God had prepared hell for who? The devil and his angels and the goats. Those that had an opportunity to respond to the gospel and chose not to. And God, His His holiness and His righteousness is going to require Him to pitch them into Gehenna. It's not that He wants to, but His holiness is going to require it. Chapter 18. Verse 9. And this is very similar to what we had in, in um, chapter 5, 29. Here again, let's get the context. Uh, verse 8. Wherefore, if thy hand or if thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life, halt or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into Gehenna. Well, well, everlasting fire. The word Gehenna was not used. The word Gehenna is used in verse 9. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than two eyes to be cast into Gehenna. And so Jesus is talking about this thing of pitching people into Gehenna. And it's not a way I'd want to be treated, I don't think. I, I, you all maybe don't, maybe can't visualize sheer drop-offs with rocks, but you all come to West Virginia sometime, and I'll take you hiking up Seneca Rock sometime, and um, it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting piece of rock that basically just juts straight up into the sky, and uh, when you get up on top, and by the way, you can you can get way up on top. And it's, it's, it seems like it's only about yay wide and it's sheer drop off on both sides. And in the bottom, there's rocks and it's very rugged. And there, people climb up there with ropes. And, and I, 
I keep telling myself, well, I, I think there's better ways to find entertainment than climbing Seneca Rocks with ropes. But anyway, um, and there has been some people that have fallen off. And they usually don't walk away. Some of them have been confirmed dead at the bottom. It's not a fun trip down. And that's in my mind as I think about this thing of Gehenna going pitched over the, over the edge, over into the valley, rolling down among the rocks. Not a pretty picture. Somewhere else in my notes, and it might have been in that previous one that I didn't get transferred, talked about Judas. Judas, one place in the scripture talks about he went out and hung himself. Another place in scripture, I think this is in Acts, it talks about that he cast himself down and putting it in, in English, bare English, his his bowels were dashed out of him. And, I'm, and, I, and I don't know if you ever tried to put those two together. I'm like, okay, so how did he die? What, what did he die? And I ran across this note or this commentary that made this commentary that there's trees. It might have been in the same one that I was reading about how some of the pictures that he was... There's trees along the, the upper edge here, and it's possible that when Judas went out and hung himself, he, he hung himself in a tree that was hanging out over the, the edge of Gehenna. And either someone cut the rope or the rope didn't hold him or whatever, and his body dropped into Gehenna among the rocks. And as he was going down over the edge, he rolled among all these sharp rocks, and it cut his body open, and his innards were strewn all over the place. Now, that makes about the most sense out of those two accounts of how he died. Hell. Well, let's think of something a little more pleasant than that. But, but, but it's a reality. This is the reality of the afterlife. It's a reality. The second main point, the glory of heaven. Number one, it's a prepared place for prepared people. Jesus said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you. And so if he takes him 2,000 years to, to make something, it, if, if it only took Jesus seven days to make all the creation that we know today, what's it going to look like when we get there if it took him 2,000 years so far to create heaven for us? It's probably on our imagination. But the scripture gives us enough to, to have a little bit of a glimpse of what it's like over there. I'd like to read some scripture to you tonight that gives us a, a somewhat of a description of what it's like. Turn with me to Revelation 21. Revelation 21, 
read a few verses here. Verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Most of us, I think, have been to a wedding. What does a bride look like? And if it was our bride, those of us that are married, brothers, our bride was probably the most beautiful one there, right? I hope it was. Mine was, at least. Um, Okay. A bride adorned for her husband. And a great, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, no, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And we'll stop there. Wet your appetite a little? Okay, let's go to chapter... Well, let's jump down to verse 9. Skip a few verses here. Verse 9, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come up, come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me, that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a great wall, a high, and had a twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel, on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three great gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth foursquare, and had... And the length is as large as the breadth, and he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs. The length and the breadth, the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, a hundred and forty and four cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. And the buildings of the wall of it were of jasper. The city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundation of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones, the first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardis, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth of topaz, the tenth chrysopras, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth an amethyst. And the twelve gates are twelve pearls, and each several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it was transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the angel are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at day, at all by day, and there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, and there shall be there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Chapter 22. And he showed me a pure city. 
pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manners of fruit, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were of the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their forehead. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. And for the Lord God himself, Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Do you think John had a hard time trying to describe with what he saw? I tend to think he did. I tend to think he did. Is it no wonder that in verse 20, he, the Lord Jesus says, surely I come quickly. And then John replies and says, amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. It's no wonder to me that we read some of these stories that had... 20 minutes in heaven or however you want to term it and they come back and they have some of these glorious stories and they are just all the more bound and determined to get there and they say even so come Lord Jesus how about us can we say the same thing after we read what we read tonight does it whet your appetite to get there And make sure you get there because we looked at the horrors of hell and we looked at the glories of heaven. The, the, we as Christians have a choice. We either choose our destiny and accept our path or we choose our path and accept the destiny. And I hope you caught what I said. Either we choose our destiny and accept the path, or we choose our path and accept the destiny. Because what we're going to choose is going to be the easy part. Yeah, I want to go to heaven. And if that's real for us tonight, if that's really our choice, then we need to accept the path. Narrow is the way and hard, and, and hard is the going. It's going to be difficult. You're going to face temptations. You're going to maybe be ridiculed, persecuted. The list could go on, taken advantage of. But if we don't want all those negative things in this life, guess what? We're going to have to accept eternity. And eternity is a long time. Eternity is a long time. I was challenged and impressed with Brother Pablo Yoder's testimony regarding his death. Some of you have talked about that. If you haven't listened or watched that video of the interview that somebody had with him, I was challenged because he says, I'm, I'm wanting to die. I, I'm, I'm, 
Psalms. He says something like that, I think. I, I'm, I'm wishing to die. I'm ready to go. And that challenged me because I, I'm not sure if I'm there. I don't know if that's your feelings or not. I suppose if I was in Pablo's show, uh, Pablo show, uh, shoes, um, dealing with health issues, pains, incurable diseases, that kind of thing, my, my, my desire to be there might be different. But let's be choosing. Let's choose tonight our destiny. And I trust that we're choosing glory over hell. In conclusion tonight, I'd like to read Revelation 20. About five verses. Starting in with verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And when that's all done, he's got a few more evers to go through yet. Okay? It's forever. There is no stopping point. There is no end. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hell. And this word hell here, by the way, has, is the word Hades, the place of the departed spirits. And there's other places in Scripture that talks about the, the wicked being reserved until the day of judgment. Well, here we are at the day of judgment, and Hades is coughing up all these wicked people and presenting them at this great white throne judgment. And this is what's going to happen to them. And hell delivered up the dead, or Hades delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Is your name written in the book of life? That is the important question tonight. Is your name written in the book of life? Friends, that is the only way we will escape Gehenna. The only way. If it is not, you will miss out on the glories of heaven and will be forced to dwell in Gehenna. Only you can change that verdict. Only you. The choice is in your hands. 
Is your robe washed spotless white? Or are there stains of sin upon it? 